0: Oh, hello. Many Magic the Gathering players have many, many questions about CEDH, Competitive Commander. And so today we have with us Ryan Street of Playing With Power, the number one CEDH YouTube channel for CEDH gameplay uh, to answer everything you ever wanted to know about Competitive Commander, but we're too afraid to ask. Ryan, thank you so much for coming down here today to talk about this awesome format. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. I want to get right to the point, start right off with this. How would you define CEDH? We like to define things here at Tolarian Community College. So what is competitive commander? What is CEDH? So CEDH is basically a
1: competitive EDH. That's the moniker that it has. And what CEDH is, is it's the top end of the format EDH that we all play. Um, what we do is we play with some of the most powerful decks that the Commander format has to offer. Um, CEDH, by and large, uh, adheres to kind of a different philosophy on how they approach gameplay, how they approach deck building, and how they approach winning. Um, we still uh, really keep with the same philosophies on things like band lists, the same philosophies on rules and all that kind of stuff. But overall, what we really try to accomplish is we try to see what the top end of CEDH can be. Now, it's really important, I think, to make a very distinguishing point here. CEDH is a slang term, right you know? It's it's basically like what somebody would say when you say, Well, I'm playing a high powered deck or mm-hmm. I'm playing a battlecruiser deck or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, CDH is the same format. It's not a format variant. Right. It's not a different format. It's not like Oathbreaker is a different beast entirely. Correct. Correct. It is the exact same format. We play with the exact same rules that Commander or EDH plays. We play with a Commander with a color identity. We play with 40 starting life total. We play with you know, commander damage and all that kind of stuff. We still play with those same rules, but what we use CEDH for or the term CEDH for is basically just have a really quick understanding of the expectations and the power level when we sit down and play.
0: So I know from my interactions with, I've long been a CEDH spectator, to which I mean, I don't personally play with CEDH decks, but I love to watch people play with them. Uh, and yes, a lot of that watching is uh, yours and many other channels. Uh, there's there's a lot of CEDH channels, spike feeders. We're going to have uh, uh, them on at some point. But uh, I just love when I'm at a, a Magic Fest and I see a pod of CEDH players, I get to stand hovering overhead and watch what's going on. And I know from my conversations when we chat casually afterwards, one of the things I hear as a recurring phrase is C-E-D-H is commander. As this, It's kind of like the motto. It is commander. It's not a separate format. There are not different rules in even a subtle way. It is literally commander, but it is a, a moniker for a way of building commander decks within the commander format and a way of playing those commander decks as well. Or is, is once you've built the deck, then, I mean, you're going to play it like any other Commander deck, or what what, what is your thought on that?
1: So that's a really good question. So basically, when we have a CEDH game, there are certain things that we do somewhat differently. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of times, Commander will have conversations about things like Rule Zero, Social Contract, all that kind of stuff. And ours is a little bit different from that, Um, and not in maybe a way that would create a format variant, but just in the way that we kind of approach the gameplay. So a lot of Commander or CEDH players will say, um, our rule zero is we don't have a rule zero. (laughs) And, well, basically what the rule zero is, is that, hey, these are the rules of Commander. Feel free to adjust to your local scene. Right. And what competitive EDH's rule zero is, is we're gonna follow the rules to the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. And, and don't take that to be in any sort of unfun way or a very, very strict way, but we are following the rules as they are set forth because we wanna explore the very, very top end of those
0: rules. Not in a, and I wanna uh, 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 just clarify this, not in a rules lawyering way. Like when we talk, that you're, you're not saying we rule lawyer each, rules yeah. lawyer each other, uh, but rather just that those are the rules and then we wanna do the best that we can do within those rules. I build a casual commander deck and I intentionally like to not fully optimize it. And that is my choice with rule zero. I could fully optimize it. I could sit down and ask, how do I make sure that everything within this is the best that it can be? But I would rather do a 70 to 80% optimization on most of my decks. And that is my choice. And your choice or the choice of competitive. Uh, commander players, is let us try our best. We want, it's all or nothing. We want to see if we can hit 100% optimization. Mm -hmm. Does that mean you play with dual lands in your competitive EDH
1: decks? We play with everything that we possibly can. So uh, the way that you put it and the way that we kind of describe it when Mm -hmm. describing CEDH is that you follow the spirit of the law, if you will. You say, Uh well... Uh, you know, I'm gonna maybe take it to 70 or 80%, right? Well, we follow more of the letter of the law and this is, encompasses in everything. So this says, um, if, we, uh, if it's not on the ban list, it's fair game, right. you know? Uh, so we're gonna play it. Um, there might be some soft rules in local game stores or local environments where people play where it says, we don't really like land destruction or sure. something like that. It creates unfun environments or we don't like it when you combo off or something right. like that. Well, what CDH players do is they try their best to play the most efficient and best way possible. Um, And that doesn't necessarily mean the fastest possible, but the most efficient way possible. And so we follow more the letter of the law. And a lot of actually really positive things come from that. Um, When you play to the letter of the law in a competitive game, what you have is something very interesting that happens with your interactions. And what that is is that you have a lot less misinterpretations of what an expectation of a game will be. So, mm. so some people will come in and say, well, I just want to have a good time. And that is great. That's what we want to do. Yeah. You know? You know,
0: it's magic. How can you not have a good time playing magic? Exactly. Well, a couple decks, but yes.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Well, maybe we won't talk about that. Right, right, right. So, But we do the exact same thing. Except for um, we all have the exact same expectation going into a game. Mm. So there's so fewer misinterpretations of how maybe a game should take place or how maybe a game would carry out. And great things happen because of that. In CDH, you have very few, if none, saltiness, Hmm. spike plays, Hmm. uh, bad threat assessment, uh, emotional plays, uh, what I like to call game memory. Where somebody says, well, you beat me last game, so I'm going to beat you this game. We don't have that in CDH. Right. Because our social contract, if you will, is when you sit down to a table. The social contract, uh, we like to paraphrase, is come prepared. Right. You know, you're going to play to the best of your ability. We're all going to have a great time doing it. Have fun. Cut up. Talk about our lives and our jobs and stuff like that. But we're going to play the best game we can play. So there is no emotion involved when I kill your commander turn one because you cast you got ahead. Right. You, don't, you don't take that personally in a CEDH game. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas sometimes that might or might not happen
0: in casual games. or Oh, sure. I'm still intentionally attacking uh, one of my friends from something uh, that they did 10 games back, even if it's not the most advantageous move mm-hmm. to do when I sit around the kitchen table playing commander. And in CEDH, I simply would say, well, within this game, my goal is to play as uh, uh, optimally as possible. And so no attacking Jimmy, even though he doesn't have the greatest board presence, he's getting mana screwed or something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I want to get him back for what he did to me nine games ago. Exactly. Uh, uh, that, that I'm not doing that because that is not the optimal play. Correct. That's exactly right. So in terms of interactions, How are CEDH players uh, when it comes to things like aggressive behavior? Is this like a pro tour where I didn't come here to have fun? I came here to win. I mean, I've been, listen, I, I love magic fests, but if you go play in the main event, chances are you might sit across from someone who their only goal is to win, to play as optimally as possible. They're trying to make day two. They're trying to make day eight. And they might say something along the lines of I am here to win this game, not to make friends. Is that what I'm going to encounter when I'm playing CEDH? So that's actually
1: a really good question because that's a common misnomer with mm. CEDH because you're saying, well, I'm here to win at any cost. So, right. you know, wipe that smirk off your face. We're here, to, we're here to play a game. And that is not the case at all with CEDH. It's right. really, really not. Um, and it's something that a lot of CEDH uh, figureheads and advocates are trying to dispel we're trying to let the world know that we are not tournament grinders. We are not here with a world series of poker attitude, right? You know, don't talk to me. I'm thinking about my cards here. It's nothing like that. We are still playing EDH as a format. We're still just playing at the top end. So we're still sitting down, having fun, you know, talking to each other, having a good time, uh, you know, complimenting a really good play or really Mm -hmm. great interaction and, Ah, uh, when the game is over, we all shake hands, say good
0: game, shuffle up and play again. Um, Do you consider a night of CEDH to be a night with friends?
1: Absolutely.
0: Are you allowed to have pizza and/or beer? Well, no, not no. at all. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, absolutely. <laughs> you. Uh, that's it's- so. It's Commander. I mean, that's to me. That's Commander. It's a night with friends. I I like to have pizza and/or uh, drink of beverage of choice. Uh, 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 and those elements are there in CEDH, but we are playing optimally. I'm not going to start out a game with a vendetta against someone from 10 turns ago. I want to play the best game possible within the context of that game with the best deck that I could build possible. Correct. But That's it's exactly Commander. Right. CEDH is Commander. It's Commander. That's exactly right. It is Commander. How long do those games go then? So we're talking about an optimized deck and we're playing uh, optimally. So how long is a CEDH game going to last? So
1: I think um, what a lot of people hear uh, who don't play CEDH, who maybe play regular commander or don't play commander at all, is that they say, oh, that's a turn two format. I see mm-hmm. that all the time. Turn two format. Right. I don't want to spend the whole night shuffling my deck. That's not what I'm here to do. And so there are plenty of decks out there that do aim to win turn two. Right? Does that mean they win turn two? No, because they're sitting at a table with other CEDH decks whose plan is to stop that deck from going off turn two. Uh, They pack heavy interaction to make sure that that person doesn't go off turn two or be able to pivot so that they can go off at the appropriate time. Um, Do turn two wins happen? Absolutely. It's It's one of the interesting things about this format is that you can pull off something like that. That mythical turn one, turn two win. Right. Um, on average, no, no, they really don't. They they go they go pretty long. I'd say the average CEDH game probably lasts anywhere between ten turns, six, nine, mm-hmm. ten. You know, sometimes they go four, but on the whole, they really they took a while because um, while there may be a smaller turn size what happens within those turns is actually far greater. Mm -hmm. Um, The first three turns of any given CDH game is not land pass, land pass, land pass. It's a lot of times anywhere between one, two, three, four spells. And this is in the first three to four turns of the game because you're trying to establish your board state as soon as possible. Right. And so there's a lot that actually happens within those turns. Um, One of the things on my channel that I display are stats at the end just so people know that it didn't just go to turn two and we played for three minutes. Yeah.
0: You know? I really I really like how you you do the stats display at the end of games. That's always a lot of fun for me. I'm often hitting the pause button mm-hmm. at that because that's, well, I, I mean, that's, I think I'm not alone in that Magic players like having that type of a breakdown. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, a very interesting way to digest a game of Commander. Mm-hmm. We've had plenty
1: of games uh, overall, not just channel, just games that we've all had of CDH that have lasted two and a half hours, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that absolutely happens. Um, And so
0: it's, like I said, it's a very game of commander. That just sounds like, I mean, I sit down to commander. It can be two hours. It could be five turns. Uh, Exactly. That's just regular. That's what I consider a game of commander to be. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not different in that regard either. Correct. And
1: let's, and I don't want to cause any misconceptions to say that CEDH and commander are exactly the same thing and, and and everything's exactly the same. No, there are definitely differences. That's why we love CDH so much is because there are certain differences. Like I said, there's a reduced amount of politics and therefore a reduced amount of saltiness, mm-hmm. a reduced amount of bad feelings and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But there's also a different deck and there's a different uh, approach to how you play. Mm-hmm. And those types of things can definitely lead to different styles of gameplay. Um, I always like to describe non-competitive EDH as Uh, Crazy board states and fun interactions and big swings and things like that. And that's a blast. Um, uh, CEDH players love this stuff, too, because we're all EDH players at heart. We actually all started, most of us started in regular EDH. Right. And we just wanted to kind of explore new creative ways of deck building or see what was at the top end of the format. Right. And in doing so, we found a lot of really cool things at the top end of this format. And we love crazy interactions, too. Most CDH players just prefer to have their battles on the stack versus on the battlefield. So we like to get our stacks really, really big with interaction, counter wars, things like that. Mm -hmm. Somebody's trying to win, somebody else tries to stop it. Maybe somebody tries to win in response, which is actually really interesting. And playing those types of interactions is actually really, really fun to do. And it's a really nice change of pace, if you will, from a standard commander where the battlefield and the board states and stuff have a much more. Um, much more defined presence, if Mm. you will. Bigger
0: present. I, I, I do think I need to clarify a thing. Uh when you said standard commander, you mean an average game of commander, not brawl, which is standard commander. Oh, that's yeah. the, that's the that's now now that is a different format where you uh are, are only having uh cards from standard and it rotates. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something fun.
1: Okay, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. We're not here to talk about dead formats. Right, we're here right. to talk
0: about we're here to talk about I'm gonna get board. so many letters. We're joking. It's a joke. <laughs> you have just offended. The three people who play Paper Brawl, and they've been waiting for that fourth for so long. Well, yeah, yeah. Give me an example of how you win in CEDH. I want to hear what a typical win might sound like or look like. What, what, what's a win in CEDH? So when you approach
1: CEDH from a deck building perspective, we definitely have a win at all costs perspective in mm-hmm. our deck building. Right. Not in our not an attitude. attitude. In not our an attitude. Deck building. Right. We want to see. We want to explore the creativity of what is possible within the confines of this format. Right. So basically, we dial it to 11 is what we try to do. Right. And what we have is more often than not more what would be just they'd be combo wins because they are some of the most efficient ways to win. So this would either be simultaneously killing all of your opponents or, you know, basically creating an effect of where you would win the game almost immediately. Right. So, um, while that's not the only way that you win in CDH, those will always be around because they're very efficient in uh, in how how they win the game.
0: Okay. Can you win through aggro? Can I win with an aggro win?
1: Absolutely. There are actually a couple of really good decks in our top tiers that win through combat. Okay. So, if you like combat and you like
0: attacking, there are decks that have that. Can I win through Commander Damage? Like, uh, is Commander Damage a style? What about a a Voltron build? Is that something you see in CEDH? Not so much, Mm -hmm. in all
1: honesty, uh, because it just takes a long time in order for that to be accomplished. So it's not usually the the most efficient way that CEDH likes to
0: win. Because once again, we're trying to find the most efficient efficient way. Right, right, right. Although that must be kind of exciting because there's always the possibility, especially with new cards coming out all the time, that there will be uh, an enabled new strategy or new archetype that you're going to discover while exploring the ultimate optimization. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Give, Can you give me an example of, of, of what a, a, a win is? might specifically be just so that we, we see what it, it it is happening. Like, what would uh, a win involve for uh, CEDH? Sure.
1: So, uh, at the top end of the format, we kind of have a meta, which mm-hmm. is actually really interesting because Commander at Large, I wouldn't say has a very defined meta, no. and CEDH definitely does, which is really cool because whenever you do your own brews of CEDH decks, you can kind of tune in and adapt it to an appropriate meta. So, you have a baseline from which to go with. Um, And there's a number of different combos that are available that do that. So you have a number of different things that care about empty libraries. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of different cards that care whether or not your library is empty and allow you to win the game. The first one is the classic Laboratory Maniac. If you would draw a card when your library is empty, you win the game instead of lose the game. And so basically the point of the deck is to empty out your library and then attempt to draw a card and win. Mm -hmm. Um, There are other things that do this as well. Recently, Jace Wielder of Mysteries from War of the Spark has that as a static ability on a Planeswalker, and Planeswalkers are a little harder to remove, so that was really great. And then, of course, recently with Asa's Oracle, the triggered ability that cares about the devotion in regards to the deck. So what you basically do in those scenarios is you find a way to get your library completely milled out, exiled, drawn, whatever that might be. And there's a couple of different approaches to do that. One would be maybe generate infinite mana and then sink it into something that would draw your entire deck. This would be something like Thrasios, Triton Hero, the Kenrith, the Return King. Target player draws a card. Um, you can also deck your opponents that way, which is kind of fun. Um, and uh, there's other ones too. Uh, there's one called Demonic Consultation. It's a one black instant from Alliances or Ice Age. Uh, essentially, that says, exile top six, uh, name, name a card, exile top six cards of your library, then exile till you find that card, and then you can put that into your hand. It's kind of this uh, high-risk tutor, if you will, and that's why it's only one black and it's an instant. Well, what you do is you basically just name a card that isn't in your library. And then you have to exile your entire library, and then you can win the game that way. Another one is Tainted Pact. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is one and a black, and basically you exile top cards of your library till you decide to stop, or you find two cards that have the same name, and that, it'll stop it for you. So what you do in a singleton format is just make sure you no know, two cards have the same name. This also includes basic lands, though. So you have to kind of, you have to gear your deck to be able to accomplish that. But that's just something that we do in CDH. So these are very efficient, very mana efficient ways. We're talking one and a black or one black, you know, in some instances, to be able to pull off these combos. So they're very efficient ways to win. Mm -hmm. Another one would be uh, food chain combos. Now, these are basically combos that use the enchantment food chain. It's three CMC, exile a creature, add a mana of any color equal to its CMC
0: plus one. Right. I, I played Food Chain in Legacy for a while. I was a big fan of it. I had a Food Chain deck tech before it became popular in Legacy, and I never get credit for it. But uh, 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 so you've already got my interest on this because I used to love Food Chain in when I would play more Legacy than I do these days.
1: Yep. So back in the earlier days, uh, people would put Food Chain inside of Prosh. So Food Chain is basically the ability to exile a creature and add its CMC plus one to your mana pool for creature spells. And you can use that in conjunction with cast from exile creatures. So this would be things like Squee the Immortal, Mist Hollow Griffin, Eternal Scourge. So you exile it to Food Chain. You uh, have it CMC plus one. You recast it. And so you net one every time. This allows you to generate infinite mana, which you can sink into creatures. A lot of time, Food Chain decks will then basically cast their commander infinite times. Um, you can see this in instances of Prosh in the early days. And then you can see it in things like Corvold. Uh, now, and in the first sliver, where they use their abilities, uh, Niv-Mizzet Reborn, they use all these abilities to basically find some sort of out. Um, Korvold will use Mayhem Devil to win. Prosh in the old days would use uh, Blood Artist Effects, you'd sacrifice creatures and drain everybody. Uh, First sliver, it will cascade and create uh, basically a way to stack your deck and then cast certain creatures that allowed you to, whenever something would enter or whenever something would leave, it would do damage. And this is how Food Chain allows these uh, infinite loops to happen.
0: You said there was aggro in this, not just combo, and even that there's established archetypes. Uh, What does that look like in CEDH? Who am I playing if I want an aggro win? Or what does that aggro win look like?
1: Sure. So there are definitely some that would be considered more proactive and aggro types. So if you are coming into CEDH and you really, really like attacking or something like that, there are are certain commanders that allow you to attack uh, for infinite and win.
0: Um, Did you say attack for infinite?
1: Yeah, you can attack infinitely and win. So wow. qu- quick examples of that would be Godo, uh, Bandit Warlord. Mm-hmm. He can fetch up Helm of the Host. And with the interaction of Godo and Helm of the Host together, you can create infinite Gotos and infinite attack phases. Wow. So you can just attack with infinite Godos until everyone is dead. Um, another one would be Najila, the Blade Blossom. So she can definitely switch from a more aggressive style to a more you know disruptive style depending on certain factors. Uh, but she can basically assemble a critical mass of warriors and attack you, uh, attack the board and win. Another one would be something like, uh, now it's not necessarily aggro in the sense of speed, but definitely aggro in the sense of turning sideways. Mm -hmm. So these would be things like Selvala, Heart of the Wilds. All right. She basically can, through a number of different infinite mana combos in green, allows you to use Finale of Devastation, fetch every single creature out of your graveyard and library give them all plus 100,000, 100,000 in haste and attack everyone for the win. That's wild. Yeah.
0: But that's also not really foreign to me. I mean, I sit down and play against Savala now and it is a challenge. She's a great commander. Mm -hmm. I sit down and play against people who are comboing with The Last Sliver or mm-hmm. who are doing variations of uh, uh, who use Laboratory Maniac. And it's not necessarily CEDH, but what CEDH is doing is something that I, I see now. It just, again, goes back to that idea of you have fully optimized it for the most uh, uh, optimal gameplay, for the most optimal deck and that that's really all that's thats going on. It, it actually seems very simple when you describe it that way. That's exactly right. You know, that's what we're doing. We're playing Commander.
1: Um, we are definitely playing... Uh, Against other CEDH decks, so right. when I sit down with a CEDH deck, I'm expecting to battle three other CEDH decks. Right. So you I will, wouldn't
0: want to sit down against my sixty percent, seventy percent optimized precon. No, that's you know, you're playing for fun, and that wouldn't be fun. Exactly.
1: It's and they're just different ways to play. You know, ways to um, ways to interact, and they're just not the same. They're just not on the same wavelength, and not in a. Uh, skill level or anything like that, no. but but how CEDH is tuned. Yeah. Tuned to battle other CEDH decks. A lot of CEDH decks actually aren't equipped to battle a regular commander deck. Right. You know, a CEDH decks, they really, they, a lot of them can't handle being attacked with four fours every turn. They'll actually, there's times <laughs> when they'll lose because they don't pack things like board sweepers. We don't really need that many right. in our environments. And so a lot of times we can be outclassed just by a uh, Token army going wide and hitting us. Sure, so that kind of stuff definitely can't happen.
0: It's very interesting. I do think I need to ask you about the elephant in the room, or rather the Hulk in the room. Can you please explain it to me? What is Flash Hulk, and why is it causing a problem in the CEDH uh, meta? And why do you feel it? It, it well, it, you feel it needs to be banned. But just tell me what it is first, and then why you feel this is such a, a, a critical. Uh, problem for cedh currently
1: basically what flash hulk is is a, it's a shorthand name for a combo and the combo is the instant card flash and the creature protean hulk so basically what happens with this combo is that you pay one and a blue for flash and what flash reads is that you can put a creature from your hand onto the battlefield pay its cost reduced by up to two if not it, it dies it goes to the graveyard mm-hmm. So what people will do is they will use that in conjunction with Protean Hulk. Protean Hulk is a 7-CMC creature that says when it dies, go into your library and fetch 6-CMC worth of creatures and put them onto the battlefield. So what people will do with Flash Hulk is essentially they will cast Flash, put Protean Hulk onto the battlefield, and then neglect to pay its cost, and causing it to die. And then its dies trigger will happen. You will fetch 6-CMC, worth of different creatures to essentially assemble a combo and win. And this will happen all as one part of resolution of a spell. So the problem with that is, is these lines that we've assembled, they're called, we've called them a shorthand. They call them Hulk lines is mm-hmm. what they are. And the CEDH community has a bunch of different ones. Right. So we have all these Hulk lines and they've become more and more efficient. The more people have brewed, the more people have explored them. And they've gotten to the point now where, Flash Hulk has become this situation where um, it requires no board state. It requires no uh, pre-assembly, nothing like that. As long as the Flash player has one and a blue open, they can at instant speed at any time on any player's turn win the game with no predefined board presence. Mm -hmm. So when we were talking about things earlier, we were talking about things like Lab Man or Food Chain or something like that. Maybe we'll talk about, um, infinite mana combos or something like that. Yeah. It requires some sort of board presence, and a lot of the other players can adapt to that. Well, he's got, oh, uh, well, he just cast Food Chain. Everybody on alert. He's about to go off right now. We need to be able to stop this, or something to that effect. He just cast uh, Jace or Lab Man, so on and so forth. With Flash, Hulk, you only need one in a blue. So, and... From this initial description of it, you might not be like, that doesn't seem horrible. I mean, what's the big deal? Sometimes we went out of nowhere. This format as a whole is broken. You know, it's what we do. We love these crazy interactions and things like that. The problem lies in how it warps the game. Let me paint for you a really quick scenario. All right, so we're all sitting down at a table, and we're about to go. I rolled the high roll, so I get to go first, right? Pre game actions are declared, and someone says, I have gemstone caverns. So you put gemstone caverns, you start the game with it on the battlefield like a ley line, and you exile a card from your hand. It's like, no problem. All right, go to my upkeep, go to drop my card, draw my card for the turn. And they say, wait, hold on, I have an action in your upkeep. Mm -hmm. They exile Elvish Spirit Guide from their hand, tap the gemstone caverns for blue, cast Flash.
0: You're talking about a turn zero win. Turn zero.
1: No board state, no anything. They let the Hulk die. They go fetch the CMC. They went on the spot without any additional man or anything else. I didn't even get to draw a card. Right. Game is over. Right. And nothing else had to be set up in order to do that.
0: Can't you just force of will it? Ah,
1: so now what happens? So what, what you said is essentially that. So that warps the format. So now I know there's a Flash Hulk player at the table so now what would otherwise be a really great hand I'm going to have to aggressively mull to to get in that case round. I have to do uh have to interact with a flash player right or we have to make sure we're holding up interaction or I like this hand but you know maybe I'm going to have to mull for a graph diggers cage to make sure I can try and get that first or um now I'm going to have to substitute certain cards that would be better in my deck for less optimal choices because I have to counteract the flash player. okay. And so that's what's happening. And it's creating this disparity and everyone's warping around this this, homogenized best version of this deck that requires no board presence whatsoever. And one other thing that I want to make mention of is that a lot of people from the outside looking in don't see a problem with flash. They say, I don't see what the big deal is. You know, you just flash and then maybe you just kill the Hulk with a source of plowshares or something. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. So part of Flash's resolution is that it will enter and die before you get a chance to do anything with it. It's part of the resolution of the spell. Mm -hmm. So it will enter, die, before you have a chance to do anything. Mm -hmm. So unless you're dealing with something like triggered abilities, of which there's uh, counter magic of maybe to the tune of five cards total in the history of magic that allow you to counteract triggered abilities or do something around that. Uh, that creates a real problem. So you're basically warping this meta on this top end because of this insurmountable, sufficient way to win this game.
0: Well, I don't personally, and I mean, this is just within my own sphere. Uh, I don't personally hear a lot of people say, well, can't you just do this? Uh, I mean, I was setting you up for, with the, the force of will question. I knew there was an answer, but I, I don't really hear people saying that doesn't sound like this should be a problem. What I do hear people saying a lot that I'd like you to respond to is, is then why not just, uh, uh, use Rule 0 and say that if you're sitting down to competitive EDH in the same way that you don't want to sit down at a table of non-CEDH players, so you're already asking around, hey, is this CEDH or non-CEDH because I don't want to sit down with two people with a pre-con and the professor's, you know, Murfolk deck. Uh, uh, that's not what you're looking for. So just use Rule 0 and say, we're not going to play with Flash. That's actually a really good point. The
1: problem in that lies in the fact that CEDH's rule zero is that if there essentially isn't a rule zero. Mm-hmm. We obey the letter of the law, right? So when you start to add things like house bans, house rules, and stuff like that, you create this problem um, where you aren't really obeying the letter of the law anymore. And absolutely, CEDH tables do that all the time. They actually do say. You know this flash is becoming very disruptive, right? And you know I don't, I don't really want to play it. Can you bring something else? And a lot of tables are like, fine, I'll do that. But you can't really do that going to a GP like a command fest. You can't right. do that going into a blind LGS and stuff like that. If they or if there's prizes on the line, if somebody's doing tournament commander, sure, you can't say I don't like flash. I don't want you to play flash. Okay, you know. So we still have to obey the rules of commander, and rule zero does exist for that, which is great. But unfortunately, with CEDH, if I have the ability to play it, um, I, I will exercise that ability if I want to. And a lot of CEDH players, they will brew and they will uh, play those, but you know, not every deck is everyone's flavor. Not everyone likes Godot. Not everyone likes Flash Hulk. Some people like to play Graveyard Shenanigans and stuff like that, so they might not even play Flash Hulk. But if you're going to a tournament or something like that, you know you might want to play the best you can because there's really good prize support. Maybe there's a dual land up for first prize. So you might bring this because it's one of the most efficient, You know, requires no board state kind of wins. Um, and I know that uh, Commander was never designed to be a tournament forna- format. And I'm not saying that we should ever make it a tournament format. And I'm not saying that we should ban Flash for the sake of making it available in tournaments. I'm saying it creates this situation where we're we're having to tune our decks to counteract Flash Hulk. We're having to uh, create situations or do aggressive malls to counteract this Flash Hulk. And to just say that, oh, I want to soft ban it and stuff like that kind of goes against everyone else's moniker of I want to play CEDH to the letter of the law. If it's not on the ban list, I should be able to play it. So, and that's kind of what happens as a result of that.
0: How do you respond to the concern that were the rules committee to... Uh, ban Flash, which is wholly a CEDH issue. There's no real, it's not even played that much outside of CEDH and certainly not in a turn zero win uh, setup. So how might you respond to the concern that if the rules committee were to then go and ban Flash for CEDH, that the very nature of CEDH being looking for the most optimal builds of decks, that you're going to encounter another problem like Flash in the future, and then if that were to be banned, another problem because you are ultimately trying to find the mo- the most optimal deck from throughout Magic's history, and there's so many broken interactions, and there's so much room for shenanigans. Ban Flash today. Tomorrow, another card's going to be a problem. Ban that card. Another card's going to be a problem, and that this is essentially uh, a slippery slope into... Uh, uh, just uh, a world of constant bans due solely to CEDH development. So there's two things that
1: I say to that. Mm-hmm. Um, number one is that whenever I hear people say, uh, addressing concerns that, well, I don't want the Rules Committee to ban a card for CEDH. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll go back to what we said earlier. CEDH is EDH. Right. We're one format. We're not a variant. We're not asking them to ban stuff for Dual Commander or something like that. We're... We're asking you to ban uh, something that's in our format, in all-as-one format. And um, having that type of ban would really help uh, create a more creative uh, end of the spectrum for CEDH. Because right now, everything's been kind of homogenized into this one Flash Hulk deck, and it's stifling creativity because you're like, well, i got to counteract Flash Hulk. What am I going to slot in for Flash Hulk? What am I going to do about Flash Hulk? Is this as good as Flash Hulk? Well, it's not. I'm not even going to bother. Um, and so if they ban this card, that they're going to um, basically alleviate that situation, allow creativity to live and breathe again. Um, the second thing I say to that is that when you talk about, well, uh, it's a slippery slope. If it's not one thing today, it's another thing tomorrow. It's another thing tomorrow. Commander's broken fundamentally. <laughs> That's why we all love it. You know, a non-competitive and competitive alike. We all love that it's broken. There are so many broken combos out there that are not on the ban list. Um, and the problem with flash isn't that it's broken because it is broken. We know it's broken. That that part's not the problem. The fundamental thing that you look at when you look at the band list is not that, well, how come Kiki Jiki's not on there? He he breaks a million things. You know, how come this isn't on there? How come that isn't on there? When you look at the band list, you what you're really getting is a feel for kind of how the game should be played from, a, I guess maybe I would say a feel or a perspective of how you maybe want to approach the game. And the word that I always kind of look at when I look at the choices for the band list is not, well, this is broken because there's lots of broken cards. What I find is that you find the word fun in the band list. A lot of the cards on the band list create an unfun environment to play commander. Um, and there's countless examples of that. Cast Worldfire. Well, nothing you did up until this point mattered. Everyone life totals at one. That's not fun. Right. Because everything that you've done up to this point, basically you just said was moot. It didn't matter what you did. I cast Worldfire. Everything got reset. Prophet Acrufix. Um, I played during those days, and those, <laughs> those were some tough days. Because basically what it was was that the profit player got to take a turn, essentially, after every other player's turn. Right. So everyone had to wait around while the profit player did something at your instep. And that created an unfun environment. Same thing with Sylvan Primordial and Primetime. Basically, what they were is that the whole meta warped around getting Prime Time, copying Prime Time, taking control of Prime Time, and all these different things, um, and it created an unfun environment. That is what Flash is doing. It's not that it's you know broken. We have lots of broken things in CDH and regular EDH. It's not fun. That's the problem. Commander competitive Commander players are sitting down to have. Right And Flash is spoiling that fun.
0: I feel very strongly that if the rules committee can justify banning a card like Iona on the premise that Iona is a card that shuts down the game for some players, Mm -hmm. some, and makes the gameplay experience unfun for those players, I feel very strongly that there are more players affected by Flash Hulk combo, then there were affected by Iona. And so if Iona is affecting enough players to warrant a ban for unfun situations, then surely, surely, even if you were to say to me that only one percent of Commander players are CEDH players, which I believe it's more than that. Your videos have hundreds of thousands of views at this Mm -hmm. point, Uh, but even if you were to say to me only 1% of Commander players are CEDH players, I would say to you that there are a thousand times as many CEDH players as there are players who were personally encountering and being affected by Iona. And therefore, if you can justify banning Iona, then you can certainly justify that the numbers of Commander players suffering from unfund situations due to uh, Flash Hulk uh, uh, warrants a banning. So I'm very much on board and very much support uh, uh, a banning. And, and uh, I guess this is me advocating for banning, even though I'm not a part of the CEDH community. I have heard and listened, and it, it seems very logical that, that that should be done. But moving on. Sure. Absolutely. We already touched on this a little bit, but I want to go a bit further uh, in terms of CEDH compatibility or lack thereof with what we might call an average Commander deck. Now, you said you are not looking for an experience when you walk around a Command Fest floor of there's a table of non-CEDH players. I want to sit down with my CEDH deck. Uh, First of all, it might not be that you're going to go off on turn two and just, you know, ruin everyone's game. You might not really have a very fun gameplay experience yourself, but how compatible is CEDH with an average Commander deck? Like, for example... I don't have any CEDH decks here in my office. I have some optimized decks, but not on the CEDH level. If I were to call a couple of my friends over who also don't have CEDH decks and they were to join us tonight, we order a pizza and you only brought CEDH decks with you and you were to sit down and play with us anyway, what's going to happen there? What is that going to be like? Uh, Is that something that you even want to do?
1: So, unfortunately, this is actually a lot of people's first foray into CEDH. Um, Somebody comes, they assemble a deck they found online that was basically super powerful, sat down to a non-CEDH pod, and blew everybody out of the water. And and nobody had fun, and everybody's now first uh, uh, foray into CEDH is that bunch of mean-spirited, pub-stomping, you know, people that just want to ruin everybody's fun. And that, unfortunately, has happened more times than I'd want it to ever happen. And I want to make something very, very clear here. CEDH players who actually call themselves CEDH players are 100% against this type of behavior. You are not to bring a CEDH deck to a non-CEDH table without a clear communication of what your intentions are and what you're doing. Uh, Any sort of deceit, treachery, misleading of any sort is absolutely 100%, you know, we are against that. This is not what we want to display to the world of how we play. That is not the attitude we bring to this game. Yeah, We bring an attitude of commander to this game. To give a quick idea of kind of what that would look like on a very uh, general level, we have a couple of different archetypes that we kind of describe CEDH. And uh, the community at large has a couple of different ones that we use to describe our archetypes or our approaches to our decks but we'll just use three to make it kind of simple. Um, You have your proactive type, which is the ones that you hear about a lot of times. These are your turn two wins and stuff like that. It's a proactive approach to assemble a combo and win as soon as possible, okay? You have your disruptive types, the ones that might have a combo that's a little bit more convoluted or that might want to play more of a long game. So they play things like stacks, pieces, and stuff like that to intentionally slow the game down and disrupt the opponents till they can achieve their win. And then you have kind of something in between, and those are called adaptive decks. And these decks will allow a player to have a proactive approach, but can pivot and switch to a disruptive approach if they find another player might be pulling ahead. And so you have these three different types of decks, by and large. There's a bunch of different subsets and conversations about it. But for the sake of the conversation, let's just establish those three. If you bring a proactive deck to a non-competitive table, you will overwhelm them. They're just, you know, non-competitive decks are not equipped to handle turn one, turn two wins. They're dropping a land and they're passing. And that's, you know, and so that is not a deck you ever want to see at a non-competitive table. That is not what they're for. right? There are certain circumstances in more of the high end of the adaptive to the disruptive range that actually can sit down at a non-competitive table. Um, And the reason being is because CEDH decks are tuned to CEDH metas. So quick examples of that would be a deck we call Blood Pod. It it involves uh, disruption pieces like Blood Moon and combo pieces like with Birthing Pod. But what happens is, is that Blood Pod is a meta buster. It's supposed to disrupt the other decks in our meta in order to accomplish its wins. Well, it can't really handle getting hit in the face. With a bunch of six six tramplers over and over again. So that becomes so it gets overwhelmed very quickly. Another one would be Tassiger. It, it it plays a disruption game and it assumes that a four-five body is enough to essentially block everything in our format. Well, once again, it can't handle everyone attacking it over and over. So the only time I would ever advocate, and this is almost never, for a CDH deck to be put at a non-CDH table. Is a deck that would not fare well in a regular EDH game to give it everyone more of a fighting shot and for a clear communication of intentions. This is a CDH deck, guys. So let's play some arch enemy. You know, let's make sure that you know that this is the power level of this deck and that we're not making any sort of misleading statements right. or anything about it. So don't bring it if you can. But if everyone at the table agrees because maybe they want to see how it plays or something, sure, only bring maybe those types of decks. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I would put
0: it. That actually sounds almost a little fun that like for tonight when we get pizza, uh, myself and my my two friends that we agree, all right, we are going to go after Ryan as though he were the archenemy. Yep. Let's see if we can take him down. And and that seems like like a fun exercise. Mm-hmm. We don't need the archenemy cards, which give you yeah. the clear advantage. You already have the uh, fully optimized CDH deck. Is it CDH or CEDH? I should have asked that at the top of the program, <laughs> but I'm just realizing that now. What do you, do you say CDH or CEDH? Uh, it's CEDH. CEDH. Come, yeah,
1: because it's, it's the short, for competitive Um, I know what it's short for yes but we all just say cedh because it rolls off the tongue. right right
0: right uh are there any other misconceptions about cedh that you want to clear up while you're here that you've encountered
1: so one of the things that I hear a lot about cedh from people maybe on the outside looking in is that they say we're all a bunch of tryhards we're all a bunch of you know tournament grinders we're not here to have fun we're only here to play the game as, as, you know, super intense and stuff like that. And, and, and winning is the only thing that matters. And that's not true. Uh, CDH has fun just like the rest of EDH does. And we all sit down, we have fun, we have a good time. Uh, we're just playing with highly tuned decks that do it. Um, and we don't have this super a super strict attitude, a super intense attitude. We don't have an attitude like that. We're here to have a good time, and we do have a good time playing CEDH. Another thing that I hear sometimes is that CEDH stifles creativity. And I actually find the the very inverse to be true. A lot of times people will say, well, uh, in CEDH, the only thing you can ever play is you know a super fast combo and there's no other way to play it. And so you can only build it with these 80 cards or whatever and everything else is just six flex slots. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times CEDH creates an additional entry point of creativity that a lot of other areas might not afford. Um, so when you're building a CEDH deck, you're exploring a whole new way to express yourself. You're saying, well, let's see just how far we can go with this, or what are some really cool things that we can do with this? Because you might look at a card and say, well, on surface or face value, it looks like it would do this, but maybe we could try something else with it. Maybe we could try and dialing the dial a little higher and see what's exactly possible with that. And it's a really fun outlet in order to uh, uh, ignite something in people in a creative way that they might not have at a regular EDH table. You know, if you're trying to go for a super fast, aggressive win because you think this commander might be able to accomplish that, well, you might not be able to do that at a, at a regular EDH table because it might be too aggressive mm-hmm. and people won't have a good time. But you can explore that creativity in CEDH. Right. How fast can you go? How fast can you take it? How far can you take it? Mm -hmm. And that's something
0: that's really fun part of CEDH. I think that that is something that appeals to a lot of Magic players. We are about value. We are about optimization. We do want to play our games the very best we can play them to build our decks the very best we can build them. And we just don't typically think of Commander as the format that does that. I find it very exciting that there is actually an aspect to Commander where, yeah, let's, let's see what we can do. Let's see what we can do.
1: So another misconception that it's commonly had is that it's for big budgets and, and only for those who have thousands and thousands of dollars can play this game, and
0: that's also not true. Yeah, I haven't asked about price yet, so I'm glad you're bringing this up.
1: Yeah, so basically, um, a lot of the gameplay that you see will be considered budget-less. means the sky's the limit, you know? So you want to play with the very best card that you have, And some of those can be expensive. Time Twister is one of the legal power nine, and you better believe that we play with Time Twister. It's a very good card. But Time Twister is also a very expensive card. So there's a number of different things that CEDH as a community does to help foster this type of adoption. So number one, we are very, and it's controversial to some some
0: outlets, but we are very proxy friendly. Oh, okay. So what does that mean, proxy friendly? Is there a a etiquette about how many proxies i can have in my deck uh, uh are you cool if i just show up with a hundred percent proxy deck it's just about the gameplay or is it like listen we usually like about six proxies per deck how does that work
1: so you're gonna have to have a discussion with your local play group in order to determine those types of things but by and large the competitive community wants to battle the player right not the player's wallet right so There's only so many time twisters that have ever been printed. Right. So there's only going to be so many people that's ever going to have access to them. So basically, if you want to try out a deck and you want to try out a card, you can absolutely proxy it and play it. Sometimes some cards are just unaffordable for some people, and that is perfectly okay. We do not want to exclude that part of the community. So... Um, the, a lot of resources that are out there and a lot of, uh, community is 100% proxy friendly. There's no restriction or law, you know, rules or anything like that about proxies. The only thing I would say as a general consensus that we usually say about proxies is that make them look like the card. Right. So don't, you know, throw a forest in there and write time twister on it (laughs) because, you know, there's a lot going on in games. And if I see a forest over there in your graveyard, I might not remember that it's a time twister and it might yeah. create more difficult interactions. So, cut out a, you know, print out a piece of paper, put it in front of it, you know, and just make it all the cards look like it. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think it's very easy to take that sleeved basic forest and then print a time twister the size of a magic card, cut it out and slide it right in there. Exactly. There you go. You got your time twister. And what a great opportunity. Where else are you going to be able to sit down and really experience these reserve list cards or just overpriced cards Mm -hmm. uh, that are, let's be honest, never going to become affordable. This is this whole aspect of the game that most people might go their entire uh, magic careers, as it were, magic hobby lives, uh, without ever getting to play an experience. And it's just what a loss Mm -hmm. to never get to to know what that's like. Here you go. Uh, Ten cents on ink, if that.
1: Yeah. Another one for those who might not like proxies or agree with proxies or want to use proxies, that's 100% okay, too. Mm -hmm. We are okay with that. Right. Um, There are plenty of budget resources available that allow you to build budget versions of very popular decks. So you can absolutely just build budget versions. The spike feeders have budget episodes where they get really aggressive with budgets at times, Mm -hmm. getting really, really low numbers, and they have very
0: formidable decks. What is low? uh $100 100 bucks yeah and this is no proxies 100 bucks competitive commander deck that's right 100% uh if i wanted to get started in cdh uh what is my best route how is it? so let's say right now we've got a lot of viewers and there's some of them saying i would love to get started what does that even entail what is the best way to just get started in uh the community or in just competitive commander
1: So Sheldon Mennery played with us at SCGCon last November. He Mm -hmm. played a CEDH game with us, and it was a lot of fun. Um, He wrote an article afterwards, and he said, CEDH isn't for everyone, and that's okay. And every CEDH player agrees with that. Mm -hmm. If CEDH is not your flavor to play Commander, no one should force you to or tell you you should ever have to play it. Right. You know? And we all agree with that. We are not trying to change how Commander is played. Mm -hmm. We love playing it this way, and a lot of CEDH players have casual decks too, or regular Commander decks as well. We play regular Commander games too. We're not trying to change any formats here. If you do want to maybe explore what CEDH has to offer, I recommend going to uh, and looking up some videos on gameplay. Uh, Get an idea of what a typical CEDH game looks like. Uh, You can go to our channel,
0: Playing With Power, I will, I will provide links in the description. If you're not already watching Playing With Power, absolutely go check them out. There'll be links to the description. What else should I link in the description? So
1: definitely link to some of the other really good uh, CEDH content creators out there. Uh, definitely link to uh, the Spike Feeders. They play uh, competitive. They also play high-powered. They also play budget uh, competitive. Oh. So those are really good resources.
0: Also look into the Laboratory Maniacs. We've had the Laboratory Maniacs on the channel. Uh, uh, We got to do a really fun video with them, which I'll link to my own video with Laboratory Maniacs, (laughs) but I will link to some of their own uh, content as well. And we are going to have Jim from Spike Feeders on uh, 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 in the not-too-distant future. Uh, What else? So
1: uh, once you get a look at some of the gameplay, um, if you see that's something that you might like to explore, we actually have a meta. We have a CEDH decklist database. Ooh. And this is a database of what is basically acknowledged as the anywhere between the top 100 and top 125 decks that are available. They're the most powerful decks, if you will. Um, now, that's not to say that these are the only decks you can play or they're the only decks that are out there and that you can't brew. Absolutely not. These are just a good idea to get you started. Um, not only will it let, give you an idea of perusing maybe something that you might find interesting. Uh, I'm a red player at heart perf- uh, personally. I have Perforos deck and stuff like that. So my first foray into CDH was Godo Bandit Warlord. I loved it. Right. And so I, I picked a deck that kind of catered to my style. And there's all kinds out there. We have five-color decks, and we have four-color decks, and we have mono-green decks, mono-blue decks, and mono-red decks. and We have all these different types. So take a look at these and maybe pick out a deck or two that might interest you. There's some really cool interactions that are out there, you know, that cater all different play styles. and uh, And a lot of them have primers. Because sometimes interactions can get a little complicated and they will tell you how to pilot the deck. That's cool. Yeah, so you can actually say this is the game plan or this is some good and bad matchups and how you should pivot and this is our card selection, why we chose this card to be in here or why we chose to admit a certain card. Um, and so that will really help you get familiar with the deck. Another thing to do is if you choose to brew your own, let's say you looked at the deck list database and you said, well, you know, I've I found a... Uh, didn't, nothing really spark me. I really want to try and see if I can take my currently existing deck and see if I can make it a CEDH level. There's a thing called the CEDH Staples List, mm-hmm. uh, and that is something that we've also created. Um, and what it is is it's basically a curated list of the top cards that are currently played against in that meta in the CEDH deck list database. So you can use that kind of as a quick reference point to see what kind of interaction you're going to be facing up against. Uh, and being able to counter that appropriately, or seeing what common meta cards might be. So you say, well, you know, we see that there's a lot of, you know, Thassa's Oracle going on. Maybe I need to slot in certain interaction pieces for Thassa's Oracle. And those types of things will help you as well. Another thing that you want to do is uh, then, after that point, sleeve up a deck and go and find uh, some people that want to play with you. Now, if you don't have that kind of, thing going on at your local game store or at your kitchen table or anything like that. There's other resources that are available to you. Um, we have a thing called the Play EDH Discord on Discord. And basically what it does is it allows you to play webcam games of magic of all levels, actually. Mm. You have Battle Cruiser and mid power and high power. They have all those different types, but there's also competitive. Um, so you can sit down and play a webcam game of paper magic uh, on uh, with everyone around the world. And it's a really good way to get into it. Um, you, have- that's,
0: that's a great resource, even if you're not interested in competitive EDH, just to go to. I, I know I, it's the most you know, heartbreaking, but very common thing I mm-hmm. hear is people who are like, I just don't have anyone to play with. And boy, that, that's a bummer because of where you live maybe, or, or what have you. That just sounds like such a great resource for all levels of Commander, all interests of Commander. Well, that'll, that link will be in the description as well.
1: Yep, um, and another great thing about the play PlayDH Discord is for the competitive levels, They actually have mentors. Really? Yeah. so That's cool. Yeah. So basically what they have is they have the ability for you to be mentored, for lack of a better word, on kind of how to get into certain things and maybe even how to do some technical stuff like set up your webcam and understand how the, the flow goes and stuff like that. They have mentors in those communities, which, you know, because we love for our community to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So we're absolutely for that. So the final resources I would want to say is to jump onto social media. You have a lot of good advocates for competitive that are very open, very friendly. Uh, So hop onto Twitter uh, and Reddit and uh, Facebook. And there's a lot of different communities out there that you can start having conversations with people. Uh, about getting into competitive or getting advice on competitive or anything along those lines.
0: Absolutely. A lot of these are good tips for just about any format. Uh, Using social media uh, to share ideas and find out information from others is great. I do know that the uh, competitive EDH subreddit is really friendly, welcoming place. I was actually just poking around there the other night, and uh, uh, it seems like a great place for a new player to go explore. I'll The link is now appearing magically here, but I'll also include that link in this video's description. Well, that is really awesome, and I love the idea of community uh, and mentorship and just of growing that community. Hey, maybe I'm going to build my first CDH deck. Uh, Is there a competitive commander Merfolk deck? There sure isn't. The result is that you have a hasty token version of Wanderwine Prophets on the battlefield with the original hanging out in exile. The laboratory maniacs call this trick the Champion Dance because as you're about to see, we have to do it a bunch of times to turn this into a win condition. Get Wanderwine Prophets into play and do the Champion Dance, getting your hasty token. Go to combat and smash someone in the face, then have the token sacrifice itself, to take an extra turn. When the token leaves play, the real card, which was championed, comes back. When it does, you have the opportunity to do the dance all over again, pay your one mana, and get your hasty token back with the original exiled under it, just like before. Finally, you go to your end step, and now it's time to exile the token. Oh, but wait! When the token gets exiled and the original comes back, you can do the champion dance again for another mana, and since you're already past the beginning of your end step, the token will stick around until the next turn's end step. Oh, but that next turn is yours. So you start your next turn and you can attack with the prophets, and then do the dance again to keep your token around. And just like that, Inala has taken a single merfolk and turned it into this never-ending stream of hasty merfolk wizards of the coast that give us extra turns, extra card draws, extra combat steps, and extra slaps at our opponents until they shuffle up for another game.